Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Kerry Parker, and we have a truly sobering interview for you today. And uh, I've spoken with many people from the EFF over the last two and a half years or so uh, on some very important topics. But this one really kind of caught me off guard, <laughs> I have to admit. Uh, was wanting to interview Eva Galprin from EFF for a while now about stalkerware and spyware. Uh, and honestly, in my head, I was kind of conflating the two. And they're really different because the the targets of, of this these sorts of spying software campaigns are very different and the outcomes are really quite chilling. So I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, you know, for, you know, my head, I was thinking they were similar, you know, this is you know, software you put on a phone when you want to spy on somebody, but the reasons for doing the spying, uh, are quite different. And, uh, so we talk about both today, but, uh, we'll end up focusing a lot more on the spouseware aspect where there's a jealous or an insecure person who decides they want to spy, follow, track their significant other. And it's really quite chilling, uh, the things we're going to be talking about here. So as the conversation could even just goes on, and you'll probably tell this from the interview, uh, I really was quite shocked uh, at, at, at how prevalent this really is. And, you know, and really stopped to think about the situations that these people are in and how difficult it is to get out from under this and how to deal with it. It's just really, it's just really chilling. So uh, without any further ado, let's talk with Eva Goprin from the EFF about stalkerware. Eva Galperin is the Director of Cybersecurity at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, where she is in charge of EFF's Threat Lab. Welcome to the show, Eva. Thank you so much. Really glad to have you here. Um, we've got a really interesting topic, one that I've actually not covered uh, on the show, at least not directly before, and it's something that I've been wanting to talk to you about for a long time, so I'm glad to have you here. And that is the subject of stalkerware, or maybe uh, spyware. Um, so obviously, before we get too much further, I'd like, if you wouldn't mind, just give us kind of a, a definition of what these terms mean. Are they synonymous? And um, just give us some background. Sure, no problem. Uh, usually when I talk about these issues, I talk about uh, the software that I've sort of uh, scoped out as either stalkerware or spouseware. Mm. And stalkerware and spouseware are, are synonymous. They are, are both uh, used to describe applications which are meant to be uh, surreptitiously installed on people's devices. Uh, they're meant to run covertly, so as not to alert uh, the person that you're mm. spying on, and they send information back to the person who is doing the spying. Frequently, they are marketed at um, uh, at spouses uh, in a sort of catch your cheating spouse mm. kind of mm. way. Uh, though they're also marketed in a you know track your kids, uh, and uh, if you are an employer, you know track the um, track your employees' devices kind of way. And uh, so, is this used for nation states at all? Is this as maybe that's where we get into spyware? Is it? Is it? Are they functionally equivalent? Just a matter of kind of who the target audience is. It's functionally equivalent, except for that it is much cheaper and uh, much more readily available. Wow! So, how readily available all these things? I, I you know, I've, I've done some security stuff, and I, I'm kind of vaguely aware of these things. But are they truly out there marketing? Like, if I just wanted to Google this right now, I yep. could. So who is selling these things and what's it going for? Like what's the going rate if I wanted to track my spouse? What would I what what would I look for? Uh well generally uh these uh these tools are not sold in a sort of like here, let me get you a license. 
kind of way. Uh, they are sold as uh, access to a portal. So you do a Google search on, you know, help me, how, how do I spy on my cheating spouse? Uh, a link comes up. Uh, the link comes up to a website. The website says you just register here. Um, and this will give you a login to a portal that we run. Then the next thing that you need to do is uh, get your hands on uh, on the, the person you want to spy on's device. And frequently, uh, it's set up in such a way that if you want to install the uh, spouseware or stalkerware, you may need the you know username and password. But in uh, cases of domestic abuse, it's actually really common for uh, the abuser to both have physical access to the device and the username and password. Sure, yeah. So uh, I'm doing some studying on this. I, there's actually several other cases that, that I saw. And again, maybe this kind of goes to the spyware part, but I know that journalists and dissidents are, are also being kind of targeted with these things as well. And I know I saw some recent articles uh, about Mexican journalists in particular for some reason. I don't know if that was just an article I caught or if it was a truly kind of a weird hotspot for this, but uh, where people have actually gotten killed. Uh, as a result of being, I guess, knowing their whereabouts and doing something that that they didn't like, someone didn't like them doing, and uh, and they were stalked and killed. Well, it's not weird. Uh, Mexico is actually one of the single most dangerous countries in which to be a journalist right now, mm, wow. and has been for several years. And part of that is because of very high levels of corruption, and part of that is because of the drug war. Uh, and so covering the drug war is extremely dangerous. Uh, the uh, various parts of the Mexican government have been caught using spyware to spy on their political enemies, uh, particularly uh, human rights activists, uh, activists who are looking into a, a large uh, sort of mass murder of students, um, and also even scientists who were working on research that uh, that showed that sugar is harmful hmm. uh, were being spied on by politicians who were opposed to a sugar tax. Wow. Um, I'd also heard of some of these things, of course, being used, uh, I say of course, but in the Middle East, uh, for, because that seems to be a, an area where the, a lot of journalists are, are, are repressed and um, uh, it's not looked too kindly when they when when they publish bad things about you know somebody in the monarchy or somebody in government at those those places. Did that? I'm just curious. Did that have? Do we know if that had anything to do with uh, like a, a Khashoggi's murder or any other yes. famous incidents? Yeah, uh, we we have seen evidence that uh, NSO groups Pegasus was deployed on Khashoggi's uh, phone before he was lured into the Saudi embassy and dismembered. Wow. Okay. Um, so, what sort of capabilities do these apps have? What what can they track? What kind of what kind of data do they send? Well, it really depends on the app. But for the most part, once you've got root on a device, you can see everything that it does. So uh, the the thing that makes phones such tempting targets for governments and law enforcement and abusive spouses and all kinds of other people is that your phone tells people a lot about you. Yeah. You carry this tracking device around <laughs> with you in your pocket all day long, so uh, they know where you are. Uh, you are logged into all of your various accounts, so they have the logins for your various accounts. For your, your email, they have your calendar, they have all of your photos. Uh, your text messages, your end-to-end -end, uh, encrypted uh, messages, because end-to-end -end, uh, -end encryption uh, encrypts 
everything in the middle, but right. not at the end points. And so that's uh, one very powerful way around getting around um, end-to-end encrypted messaging by, uh, by compromising the endpoint. Uh, so it's extremely powerful. Uh, access to somebody's phone is the next best thing to access to their mind. Yeah, no kidding. I try to, you know, when I teach this class and I often tell uh, the students that, that, that there's so much more information on your phone or if if not directly on their phone, accessible by your phone, mm-hmm. um, that is, it's just a, a huge treasure trove of information. Um, and of course, you're right. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a high powered tracking device that's got your location. It's got, in some cases, your altitude. It's got, you know, you know, all the messages, all the calls, all your contacts, all your photos, videos. It's just, it's just amazing what's all on there. So, um, now you mentioned specifically the NSO group. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that group and um, any other any other groups that we know of that are creating these apps. Um, NSO group does not make stalkerware or spouseware. NSO mm. group uh, makes lawful interception uh, software, which they sell strictly to governments and law enforcement. Um, so NSO group makes this uh, you know makes an and you know class of apps. Uh, that can be installed on people's devices that give them this extremely powerful uh, look into what's going on on them. And what makes uh, these different from stalkerware or spouseware is that you don't need to have the username or password. NSO Group uh, was uh, was recently revealed uh, to have used a uh, zero-click, zero-day in WhatsApp in order to install their software uh, on some targets' devices. And that was one of the reasons why everybody had to update their WhatsApp a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. So that was just about to ask if that was related to that recent WhatsApp change. Wow. So unlike a lot of these where some of them, a lot of them I've seen were text messages where uh, you had, you got the text message, but you'd still have to click on some sort of a link or something in the text message to, to get infected. Like I I know there were some journalists who who received these texts who didn't do anything on purpose and took them to um, cybersecurity firms to look at this, say, Hey, was this, was this meant to get me? And then a lot of them found out that it was, but if they hadn't, as long as they didn't click the link, they were fine. But you're saying in the case of WhatsApp, uh, no, no, no intervention needed. It just, they sent you actually they placed a call. I believe is the way that worked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the way that they did it was uh, it mani- uh, the vulnerability manifested itself. The indicator of compromise was a phone call from a number that is not in your contacts, which causes your WhatsApp to crash. <laughs> so you mentioned zero day. So we need to take the time mm-hmm. to, to to explain that term. Tell us what a zero day is and what that means. All right. So uh, a zero day is not a magical amulet. Um, <laughs> It's it's not a magic spell. A zero day is just any vulnerability that uh, people know about that the vendor has had zero days in which to patch. Hmm. So uh, some security researcher knows about the knows about the vulnerability, but the vendor does not, and so they've had no time in which to defend against it. Gotcha. I want to I want to hone in on that a little bit more in a minute, but before we go, I want to finish up the question. So, if, if if NSO Group is not selling to average consumers like us and or you know spouses that want to stalk their other spouse, uh, where who what other kind of companies are? Is there a wide range of these companies? Is it just a couple that are making this kind of software? Are they all in there the are US? About half a dozen. Uh, there are about half a dozen companies. Most of them are not based in the U.S. and they're constantly rebranding. Uh, so it looks like there is an extremely wide variety of uh, spouseware and stalkerware out there. Uh, but often it's just the same uh, the hmm. same software uh, sold to you under a new name. And why are they doing that? Is that is it a PR thing, or is it 
yep, they, uh, it gets them uh, PR. It prevents them from, uh, from getting shut down because they're mm. moving all the time. Uh, so yeah, they, they know they're sketchy. <laughs> okay. So back to the zero day. So there's actually, there are companies, uh, that buy zero days. Uh, Zerodium yes. is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and tell us a little bit about how that market works and, and, and are these two different companies related in any way, or are they just kind of on the same side of the fence when it comes to exploiting devices? Uh, they're just on the same side of the fence. They're both companies that, uh, that purchase zero day vulnerabilities. Uh, the only difference is that uh, NSO Group, when it either purchase or purchases or develops a zero-day vulnerability, uh, knows that they are selling it to the Saudi government, and they know mm. the Saudi government uses it to spy on people and then dismember them, and they think that's just fine. So, just to give the uh, listeners an idea, so there are you can go to the you can go right now to the Zerodium website I did and looked at their price scale. And they, for mobile devices, they have both Android and iOS, uh, and they kind of rank these things like uh, on a scale of, I guess, how much, how much access how they get, to, and, how, yeah. and yeah, and how hard it is to do. Um, and and some of these are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. They're also how is this? How is that related to like? There's also bug bounty programs um, where uh, companies pay to ha pay hackers to find these bugs as well. Uh, this is a different beast, though, right? Yes, uh, this is uh, sort of the opposite of a bug bounty in the sense that a bug bounty is a, about being paid to find bugs that you then report to the vendor so that the vendor can fix it. And companies like Zerodium pay or sort of act as middlemen in order to sell uh, your vulnerabilities to people who are almost certainly not the vendor. So looking at those bounties, I kind of noticed, or it kind of looks like there's a trend where some of the more expensive ones were for iOS uh, versus, say, Android. Uh, mm -hmm. In your experience, is there a difference in the security levels between those two? Is that because iOS is harder to hack than Android? Yes, iOS is harder to hack than Android. Um, and also, Apple controls enough of the iOS ecosystem that they are able to send out regular updates, and those updates will hit uh, nearly all iOS devices in a timely fashion, which is simply not true of the Android ecosystem. Why the, the Android ecosystem, you're at the uh, you're at the mercy of uh, of your telco, and when they decide to push out updates. And I read somewhere that at one point, like 29% of all Android devices aren't even upgradable. I, I, I don't know if that's because they're too old uh, or if they're actually, you know, if the, the vendors like the LG, you know, either the manufacturers or the cellular, cellular providers are actually somehow blocking updates because they want you to upgrade your phone. Uh, do you have a sense of, of, uh, of why that might be? Well, you'd have to ask them. Um, but often they will say it's simply these devices are old. And uh, we can't support everything. The Android ecosystem is just extremely uh, broad and complex. So we're just going to, to sort of service the high end. Uh, and one thing, I mean, Android obviously knows, Google, of course, the owner mm -hmm. of Android knows this. And I know they've been working hard uh, to, to kind of fix this gaping hole in their security scenario. And Android Q, which is coming out this fall... Uh, I've heard some really good things about. Um, I don't know if that's something you're, uh, if you're aware of the security features they have in coming. But I mean, my understanding is, if you're buying a new phone and that new phone comes with Android Q, there there are very important elements of the operating system that Google will now be able to update directly, kind of like uh, iOS does now. That is my understanding, but I have not been following it particularly closely. I usually wait until stuff hits the market um, before before I start touting it. 
Right. Yeah. You never know what's actually going to be implemented. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, now, another interesting story I read was that uh, recently one of these firms, and I, and I can't recall who it was, uh, somebody found a bunch of – so they're they're pulling all this data off of people's phones, storing mm-hmm. it somewhere, and apparently they're storing it in the cloud, and they were not, yeah. they were not protecting that data. That data was yes. there for someone just to – someone else to find. Yeah, Moby Spy had this happen a few months ago. And was this a fluke, or are these? Is it, is it possible that ironically these companies are just not that concerned with their own security? They're not that concerned with their own security. Uh, the people who are making this uh, this software are, and this may surprise you, uh, not the uh, sort of top practitioners in their <laughs> field. Uh, they're they're not hiring the A team to do this. <laughs> Okay, but and yet these are they're difficult. So is it is it are these script kitties that are somehow like maybe buy, buying these zero days and then turning them into software? But, and so they didn't really know themselves how to do the hacking because some I mean, some of this hacking is difficult, which is why the bounties on some of these bugs are so high. But they're well, maybe building, they're good at hacking but not good at protecting. Building software is very different from building infrastructure. Mm. Oh sure, and yeah. finding vulnerabilities in software is also very different from building infrastructure. These are completely different sets of skills. We hire different people to do these things now. Yeah, true. Okay, so if, if I'm if I'm the paranoid spouse and I want to go find one of these apps, what am I looking to pay? How, is it uh, is it a subscription? Is it a one time cost? What what would it run me to? to It'll run you a monthly wife? subscription. And what's that? What would that cost me? Uh, it depends on how much access you want and what kind of device you want access to. Um, but you're looking at probably something like forty bucks a month, maybe fifty bucks a month. Wow. Not a huge amount of money. No, I just no. don't want this to sound like an ad for <laughs> Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, yes, it's it's very <laughs> it's, cheap and easy. <laughs> and here's where you go. This is what I recommend. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's get into that that part of it. What? How is it there are no existing laws against this sort of thing? Um, it this this doesn't seem like it's terribly kosher. There are existing laws. Uh, there are actually a lot of existing laws. Uh, the real problem is that these laws frequently don't get enforced. Uh, so we have seen some uh, attorneys general, uh, you know, go after these companies we've, uh, for, for violating specific state laws. Uh, we've seen the FTC go after them for violating uh, federal laws. We have seen prosecutions of individuals using these uh, using the software in order to spy on people uh, in violation of the federal wiretapping statute. Uh, or state spy- uh, wiretapping statutes, or uh, two-party consent in states that have two-party consent. Um, it just doesn't happen very often. Um, usually, when I go to an attorney general's office, or I go to the police, and I try to convince them that what they really want to do is um, enforce the law against a, a company which is breaking it, uh, the first thing that they ask me is, uh, so what laws would you like us to stop enforcing? Uh, what mm. investigations do you want us to drop uh, in favor of this one? And if we get rid of this company or if we sanction this company somehow, how do we know that another company won't just immediately spring up to take its place? Um, so it can sometimes be a very hard sell. That doesn't mean I'm not trying. And one of the things that I've done is I've come up with a list of the, uh, of the laws that uh, these companies are frequently breaking, and I am talking to law enforcement. Uh, but 
I decided that a better use of my time, sort of the, the most bang for my buck, uh, could be had by approaching the antivirus vendors. And I've managed to talk a couple of, of antivirus vendors into marking spouseware and stalkerware as, um, as malicious. So before, it used to be that if, you in, uh, if somebody surreptitiously installed this stuff onto your device and you had antivirus software on your, uh, say, on your phone or on your iPad or whatever, uh, and you ran, uh, you ran an AV scan, uh, there was a very good chance that the AV would not find this software or would not tell you it was there and certainly mm. wouldn't tell you that it was malicious. Uh, so I managed to convince Kuspersky that uh, what they really wanted to do was uh, take stalkerware and spouseware seriously, and they announced that they would be uh, marking this stuff as malicious from now on starting in April. Uh, and then Lookout uh, almost immediately followed suit and basically published a blog post that said, oh, yes, we've always taken this very seriously. Uh, and a bunch of the other antivirus companies look like they're going to be following suit soon. So I'm, I'm very pleased that we are managing to really change the norm. And uh, if you're worried about having this software on your device, you no longer have to go, like, find some you know forensic specialist in order to look over all your stuff now you can just run a quick scan gotcha it, it sounds like from what we're talking about other than um well even with state sponsors it sounds like this is not something the average person generally has to worry about unless you know so maybe unless you've got a jealous spouse or unless you're uh, maybe famous or uh, maybe a journalist or that sort of thing it, it, how how much should the average person be concerned about this happening to them there's no such thing as an average person I would just start with that. Uh, if you are worried about being targeted by, you know, zero-click O-days by the NSO group, uh, yeah, chances are that you are not being targeted unless you have uh, personally antagonized a government that they sell to. So if you are, you know, an activist or a human rights attorney in some place like Saudi Arabia or Mexico, then you have to, you have to worry about you know, sort of state-sponsored spyware. Um, but stalkerware and spouseware is, uh, extremely ubiquitous hmm. and 50% of the population is women. Sure. <laughs> so if you just ask, does the average person need to worry about this? Well, about 51% of the population does. Uh, that's, that's not small. That's not an outlier. Uh, domestic abuse is really, really common. And at women's shelters, one of the very first things that they do now uh, is they don't even look for uh, for your compromised phone. They just assume your phone is compromised, take it from you, and issue you a new one. Oh, wow. So I guess that brings up the interesting question, because obviously I know abuse goes both ways and jealousy goes both ways. Is What mm -hmm. what are the demographic breakdowns of this? Is, do we know how often this is more targeted toward women versus men? Uh, we don't know for certain, um, but I can tell you that in the year and a half that I have been working with victims of abuse, uh, I have helped uh, women who are being abused by men, women who are being abused by women, uh, men who are being abused by women, and men who are being abused by men. So uh, that everyone could possibly be a victim. I have seen all kinds of, uh, of situations, but I can tell you that the overwhelming majority of the cases that have come to me have been women who have been abused by men. Okay. And also that the most violent and disturbing cases, the ones that, that just that rise to the level of physical violence, 
uh, are more likely to be men who are abusing their female partners. So you mentioned uh, antivirus software, which is not, I don't think, as common as maybe antivirus software is on on, uh, computers. So short of having uh, one of these antivirus software uh, programs installed that might be looking for this, how else might I know that, that my phone has been affected? What... Are there anything else, anything else I could do that might tip me off to the fact that I have been uh, infected with uh, Starkware? Well, it really depends on sort of what your indicators of compromise are. What leads you to believe that uh, that you're being watched? So usually, the first thing that I tell people is to try to distinguish account compromise from device compromise because uh, device compromise is hard and account compromise is easy. So uh, the first thing that I tell people to do is to change all of their passwords. Uh, use a password manager, use long, strong, and unique mm-hmm. passwords that cannot be guessed by the person that, uh, that you're concerned about, uh, change your security questions to be even more passwords, uh, and to uh, use the highest level of two-factor authentication that you're comfortable with. Uh, then, if the signs of compromise persist, then there's a very good chance that you're looking at device compromise. Interesting. Now, and uh, some of the things I've read seem to indicate that for for most of these things to occur, at least um, uh, on an iPhone, maybe both on an editor as well, that the device, and you said this earlier, uh, would need to be rooted or jailbroken. Um, can you, first of all, confirm whether or not that's true or not? And second, could kind of help us define what those, uh, what those terms are for the audience? Uh, that used to be true, but it's not true any longer. Um, it was extremely common that... Uh, the software which ran on uh, on iOS devices required you to covertly jailbreak the phone before you could uh, before you could install it because you couldn't install the uh, the software from uh, you know from the iTunes store mm. so you had to sideload it. Um, this is no longer the case. Uh, it is much more common for stalkerware and spouseware that works on iOS to uh, simply do a regular scrape of your uh, of your iCloud backups. And that is most commonly the way hmm. in which uh, in which iOS uh, stalker warns password works. Okay, so what what does it mean at, at, for the audience's sake? What does it mean to jailbreak or to root your phone? Uh, to jailbreak your phone means to you know get complete uh, complete control over it, so you can install anything that you want. Uh, what you're doing is you're getting rid of the restrictions placed by the uh, placed by the operating system and operating as root, which is why it is called rooting your phone. And and so basically, what that means, if you're on an iPhone or an Android phone, that now you could install software that didn't come from the iTunes Store or from the Google Play Store, uh, yes. un- unapproved sources, basically. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So you did mention that antivirus uh, software is kind of coming on board and find and kind of helping people find this. What other kind of protections uh, would you recommend against these sorts of apps? I mean, really what I, yeah. So mostly what I recommend is uh, antivirus uh, password manager and uh, two-factor authentication. Uh, Between those three things, you, you have some pretty powerful protection. All right, and you, and you said Kaspersky has got uh, some software for this, and some others are coming along as well. Lookout, uh, also. Lookout, okay. Um, so, as a more of a social question, or maybe even a, just a general uh, self protection thing, if I if I believe if I if I'm uh, a wife that, or a woman that I believe my spouse is spying on me, how should what what should I do? Should I confront them? Should I um, how what 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 would you recommend? Is the first thing that they do. 
Uh, well, to begin with, every victim's situation is different. Uh, one of the very first things that I discovered when I started doing this work is that all of the assumptions that I was making about uh, who victims were and what kind of situation they were in and what was good for them and what they needed and what their problems were, were wrong. <laughs> uh, so uh, I turned around and I did a bunch of reading on uh, on helping victims of abuse, on domestic violence, domestic abuse, narcissistic abuse, bipolar disorder, um, all kinds of things like that. And the most important thing is to give the victim the information so that they can make the call themselves. Uh, never assume that you know what's best for mm. the victim and act on it. Because the victim knows whether or not they are comfortable with the notion that their abuser will escalate possibly escalate to violence, possibly escalate to greater violence than they have previously engaged in. Sometimes letting on that you know that you're being watched um, or uh, cutting off your abuser's ability to watch you can lead to that kind of escalation. Mm. And so I really wouldn't want to presume. And uh, I'm very much in favor of letting everybody make their own decisions for their own physical safety. Because much like doctors, we really have an obligation to first do no harm. Sure. Wow, that is just scary. I mean, because you're carrying this device with you, and I mean, theoretically, this thing has its mic could have its microphone turned on. It certainly it's got its probably your location pinned. Mm -hmm. If someone's watching all the time, they could be listening to what you're talking about. If you're if you're going to someone and say, "Hey, I think I'm bugged," they could hear that, I suppose, right? Yes. Uh, one of the biggest problems that I have when I'm dealing with uh, victims of stalkerware and spouseware is establishing some sort of um, channel of communication that we know is safe. Right, without tipping off the party that that, that their mm -hmm. normal communication has not been changed in any way or is somehow being suspicious, right? So I guess what yeah. would that be, like a burner phone or? Sometimes. Wow. Sometimes it's a burner phone. Sometimes it's a brand new email account. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a signal. Uh, it really depends on exactly how they're being watched. Yeah. And more than once, I've had somebody reach out to me and uh, and ended up having the channel of communication compromised because they didn't understand the way in which they were being watched. And we had to go and reestablish channels of communication. Wow, that is really scary. If I believe my device is infected, is there some way I can reliably cleanse it? Let, let's say I've dealt with the, the issues we just discussed and I'm, and, I've, and I'm ready to somehow see if I can get this software off my phone. What... Uh, uh, we've got. We've talked about detecting it. What about getting mm -hmm. rid of it? Uh, both Kaspersky and Outlook uh, have options for getting rid of it once you've detected it. Okay. If there are, if there was a zero day in the software and that software bug is patched, does that also effectively block the the tracking as well? Um, yes. And one of the things that you will definitely want to do is always take the uh, always take your security upgrades. Uh, keep all of your software up to date. That is the best way to to get rid of, of vulnerabilities because most vulnerabilities that are exploited are vulnerabilities that are known. Do we know of any of these techniques that are so insidious that you actually would need to either wipe the device completely or get a new one? Nope. Okay, well, that's, that's heartening at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, these people aren't geniuses. <laughs> it's not particularly sophisticated. It's not particularly hard. It's just very scary and very powerful. Yeah. And they haven't had to be very sophisticated because they've been able to get away with it for so long. They could get away with being sloppy. Wow. 
All right. Well, this is very interesting information, and, and hopefully, I, I hope no one in the audience is affected by this. But it's good that they know it and at least are aware of it. So let's, um, if you don't mind, wrapping up. Like, what what are some other resources are, uh, available for victims of cyberstalking? Um, well, I would start with uh, surveillance self-defense, which you can get to at ssd.eff.org. And what is it? I've looked at that before myself. What, there's a lot of stuff there. What, can you kind of mm-hmm. walk through some of the things that that contains? Um, I would definitely start with uh, the sort of beginning sections on threat modeling. Threat modeling, I think, is really the most important thing that people need to understand in order to even start thinking about their online privacy and security in a useful way. Uh, And after that, I would probably look at the sections on uh, password management and two-factor authentication because those are extremely important and you can get very far in just sort of locking everything down with just those two things. All right. And the last thing I always like is some sort of a call to action. If people want to get involved, if people want to, you know, kind of make their voices heard on this, uh, what what kind of uh, things would you recommend? Obviously, maybe I guess call your congressman. Are there bills in front of Congress right now that maybe we want to call out in particular? Uh, There's nothing in particular right now, partially because uh, I am extremely skeptical when people say there needs to be a new law. Mm. Uh, I am very much in favor of using the laws that we already have first, because Mm -hmm. if you pass a law and then nobody, uh, uh, no one actually uses it, uh, then you've just wasted a bunch of time in order to make yourself feel good. So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm, I'm going around to attorneys general and I'm talking to uh, to police departments uh, about ways to actually use the laws that we already have. Uh, what I would recommend that people do is uh, go to the EFF website. We are at www.eff.org. You can subscribe to our newsletter, and mm-hmm. we will send you uh, an email once every two weeks letting you know uh, what we're doing on our issues. Uh, and you can also become a member. EFF is uh, largely membership-supported. We have 40,000 members all over the world, and uh, that's what pays my rent. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want, uh, if you want to support us, uh, send us some money and we will send you t-shirts and stickers and everybody will feel good. Absolutely. I recommend that quite often. You guys are doing some amazing work and, uh, uh you know, if you, if you can't get out there and you, if you don't feel effective doing it yourself, you could certainly pay some folks that do like yourselves that are doing some really, really great work out there and on, on this and many other fronts. So we very much appreciate what you're doing. Thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us all about Stalkerware. Creepy, but good to know. <laughs> and, uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. That was a really amazing, important discussion, and I'm so glad to finally gotten Eva on the show. I've been wanting to talk to her for quite a while and um, did not disappoint. It was very informative, and uh, I hope that if you know anybody in this sort of situation, you can refer them to some of the resources she mentioned. Uh, cer- certainly, the EFF the website has got many things you might want to check out. Uh, they've got... Uh, the Surveillance Self-Defense website, the SSD, SSD for Surveillance Self-Defense, ssd.eff.org, which has a lot of really good tutorials for protecting yourself, uh, not just the regular protect your privacy from corporate tracking and advertising, but, you know, in this case, malicious uh, tracking and spying. Uh, so it's even more important when you think of it in those kind of terms. So uh, definitely check out that website. And while you're at it, send these guys some money. Uh, donate to the EFF. 
these guys are doing some amazing work, and this is just part of, uh, of what they do. They're doing some work that is affecting all of our lives, protecting our privacy, in, in increasing our security, uh, guarding our civil rights. Uh, they've, they've done some amazing stuff. And just, just take the time to go out and send these guys a little bit of money. Every little bit counts. Uh, I will include links to the donate page on, uh, on the show notes, but you can just go to EFF.org and I'm sure there's a big donate button there in the upper right somewhere. Send these folks some money. And I'll even take that a step further. When you do get around to sending these guys a little bit of money and they send you the stickers that she's talking about, they'll send you a little bit of a, a little bit of swag. Um, proudly post those stickers somewhere, put them on your car, put them on your laptop, uh, put them somewhere, spark a conversation so that somebody else sees that and say, Hey, what's, what's that? Or what, who's the EFF or, uh, what do they do? Uh, it'll, it'll give you an opportunity to say, Hey, these guys are doing some great work. You got to check them out themselves. So, uh, I highly recommend you do that. So thanks again to the EFF and to Eva for all the work that she's doing. Uh, it's really good stuff. And I'm so happy to have those guys out there, uh, fighting for all of us. If you are, uh, worrying that you might be being spied on, you should certainly look into some of these products she was mentioning. Look out and uh, Kaspersky's antivirus software for your mobile phone. Uh, they That would be one way to kind of help verify that, that you're okay. Of course, she did mention that it may not be that your phone is compromised. It may not be that there's something installed on your phone. It may be that your accounts are compromised. So make sure that you, know, you might want to change passwords on some of your accounts and then uh, set up two-factor authentication. Uh, just, you know, not just for all the reasons we've talked about on the show before, we're just protecting your privacy and your security, but obviously in this case, it's so much more uh, critical. And that'll wrap up our show again this week. Uh, again, big thanks to Eva for coming on the show. Uh, really important work that she's doing and very uh, important information. So next week we've got a new show. There's been plenty of things going on in the news lately that I want to catch you up on. And we've got a couple great interviews coming up in the, that are in the hopper that should be coming up in the next few weeks as well. And of course, you can always go to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons to find out about the book, the blog, the newsletter, uh, have some links to some other great resources as well. Check that out. Spread the word, tell your friends and family as well. Uh, you know, as always, the more people that know this stuff, the more uh, they're protected, the better off we will all be. So that'll do it. Until next week, everybody, stay safe out there and don't get caught with your garbage down. Now.